It's lockdown level one and with some sort of normality, employers are requesting employees to return to work. What does an employer do when an employee refuses to return? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, the podcast navigating the legal complexities of South African employment and labor laws. Proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis, and I'm joined by my producer, Yasser Yaslikert Ismail. And this is the very first episode of the show, Stuff Employers Should Know, where we cut through the legal clutter and in the most concise way discuss various labor laws which impact employers on a daily basis. We are joined by the Industrial Relations Executive of LabourNet, the employer's ultimate HR solution, the fabulous Lauren Mostert. Morning, Barry. We were just busy discussing. I've known you since 2005 and we've worked together for, what was it, around about 10 years? 10 years. 10 years. Well, it's an honor and a privilege uh, because without you, this podcast would not have been possible. So we are really, really glad to have you on the show. Uh, We know that it may be short-lived. We're at the mercy of various waves and family meetings. But this is the first time that we've really been as low as level one lockdown, despite the fact that the pandemic is still relevant and unfortunately still taking lives on a daily basis. It seems to be the first glimmer of what the world is going to look like post-pandemic. So as a topic, especially for our first episode, what would be more appropriate than getting back to business? Well, pretty well as much as possible. So Lauren, what have you seen to be the fundamental changes that the pandemic has had on the world of work? Except for thinking on our feet, because that's all we've been doing since March 2020. So it's been a very interesting year. Um, we've been on our feet, acting reactively to every single uh, directive that came out. We had to make sense of it, assist our, our, our clients to ensure that they're implementing best practice and that they're protecting themselves, their employees, and of course, the employees' families. So in terms of all the changes, I think the most fundamental change has been the way we work, that we are can work from home, that companies have embraced hybrid policies, even though it's, it's interim or permanent, that companies are downsizing their businesses, their premises, that um, of course some companies have closed down unfortunately, uh, that, and especially a lot of companies are embracing a WeWork environment or have closed their business and in allowing the employees to work from home where they can. Yeah, so really realizing that an employee doesn't have to be sitting in a cubicle between nine to five to be considered working. Um, It's all based now on outputs more than necessarily just the um, viewing or the observations of input, I call it that. Correct. Massive change. Yeah, so we've been seeing a lot of trends that have been happening as well, uh, you know, with the, the, the way that we do things online and, you know, specifically, as you say, with hybrid systems and stuff. What, what do you think that main trend that's going to really stick, uh, call it post-pandemic, is? So for industries that can work from home, I think the adoption of hybrid work policies, where they premises or their company premises have not been closed down completely and we see a lot of companies have given up their offices but we employees can work from home and maybe also work from the office so fundamental to that trend 
would be forward planning on it? What what do you think employers should do? You know, especially if there are some employers that are still at this point in time thinking about it. You know, everybody is, as you say, reactive. We don't know what's going to happen next. So employers might be hesitant to go and pin their flag to the mast and say, cool, you know, this is how we're going to be doing it going forward. Uh, but for the average employer, what's the best way to plan around the possibility of adopting hybrid systems? So with everything we implement, we need to always consider all pros, all cons. So pros in terms of hybrid policy, where industries are allowed to or can have employees work from home. We need to also remember that we are taking away that most employees, some employees don't want to work from home. Um, some employees can't be as productive working from home, especially if they have um, kids. Myself with cats, it's not always that easy. <laughs> I usually have a cat in my screen. Um, so we would need to first establish if employees can work from home and if the employer is comfortable, because you do lose out on some collaboration, innovation, you know, that social aspect of actually coming together and sharing ideas. Where employers are planning or thinking of adopting a hybrid policy, we need to ensure that firstly, we're implementing a policy that employees are aware of what the rules are with regards to this hybrid work policy, that we have clear key performance areas for every employee, that especially with working from home or working remotely, that there's output driven and not do our clock in at eight o'clock and leave at five and then you've actually worked. And then of course to ensure that there's a performance management system process in place which is linked to the KPAs. Now we've said it a couple of times, the the word policy. Um, now could you elaborate more on where policy in an employment relationship versus the contract of employment? What, what is the relationship of the two? Um, and how do these things obviously um, uh, uh, work together with regards to an employer implementing a policy over changes to contract and the like? So you can't unilaterally change any term or condition of employment. And usually what is within... Because it's an agreement, right? Correct, yes. correct. It's, a, it's, a, it's an agreed term. Yes. So whatever's in the employment contract would constitute the employment term and condition of employment. That you're not allowed to unilaterally change. You can only change that through a process of restructure or retrenchment as envisioned in Section 189 of the LRA, Labor Relations Act. In terms of policy, an employer may implement a policy unilaterally as long as it doesn't affect term or condition of employment. So hybrid work policy would be one of those cases when an employer can unilaterally implement it, either temporarily or permanently. What we, of course, just need to be mindful of is that the way that I perform is not affected and my ability to perform is not affected. So they, despite the fact they may talk to each other in certain extents, they're actually mutually exclusive of each other. So your terms and conditions of employment and your contract of employment, i.e. your deliverables and expectations and what you do and the like, uh, it simply remains in place. But the, the policy might just go and say, this is how the employer deems it appropriate. And the employer can then, if they implement a policy, change their policy, I assume. Correct. You're allowed to do that. So with implementing these policies and, and trying to make, you call them permanent or semi-permanent semi changes to the working environment, um, again, we were talking earlier about seeing things get back to normal. I think we've spoken about um, the the... William Nickel and the like, looking like it's really, really starting to build up that normal traffic that we've been used to and the like. Um, we still need to remember that we're actually still 
despite the fact talking about lockdown level one, lockdown level one is still a level that uh, requires certain compliance from employers. Correct. So the level one is linked to the Disaster Management Act, which is was implemented in March of last year to ensure that the, we, we curb the spread of the virus. Um, well, talking about traffic, I never thought I would be happy to sit in traffic, especially on my way to this podcast. I was um, enjoying the traffic, looking around, seeing people actually moving again. But we, you are correct. We need to remember we're still in level one lockdown, which is governed by the DMA, which would mean there's health and safety protocols that the employer must adhere to. And those health and safety protocols, of course, mean I need social distancing before between my employees. I need to ensure that my staff are being kept safe. I need to ensure all stakeholders within my business are being kept safe. That employees are work are wearing masks and all contractors and stakeholders coming to my office. And that um, we're still sanitizing. So all the the rules we started learning about last year is still very much in must be implemented. Yeah, in my, my personal experience, I see a lot of employers, retail, uh, even to corporate, where there seems to be a lot of inconsistency or, or, or being a lot more relaxed now with these things. You know, you go to one business and you have to write down your family history and <laughs> give them a urine sample and a this and a that to get into the business. Then the other, they literally, somebody points a, a, a temperature gun at you and on your way, you know, don't even know who you are and what's the point of the temperature gun. I suppose it's just not allowing somebody that might have some sort of fever. Well, your temperature is at 32. I'm like, then I'm a zombie. Exactly. Yeah, it says low. It just registers as low because they sometimes spray your hands and then use the exact same hand to, to take the reading. Uh, employers need to remember that they can be liable for serious consequences should it be decided that they get investigated for potential breaches of the lockdown regulations. Yeah, so again, the rules we... Became, we're forced to become used to, has not changed. We need to still ensure that we are doing everything in our power as responsible employees to curb this spread. And that being said, you know, ensuring a safe working environment is a duty of employers. Um, employers are now saying, everybody, back to the office. I want everybody back. Um, they need to, again, as we're saying, these still remain in place. But can they then just request everybody come back to the office now? Everybody, as you were. So, yes, but it does depend. If my workspace does not allow for the social distancing measures in terms of... And that's size, size of workplace. Size of workplace and number of employees, then I cannot insist that all employees return to work because I still have a responsibility to ensure I I can implement the protocols as per the Disaster Management Act. And where employers do a quasi version of that, i.e. what we've been talking about at length now, the hybrid models or policies and the like, um, where I had mentioned about policy and contract, does a hybrid working model have to be expressly agreed agreed to by employees uh, to be implemented? No, that can be implemented unilaterally by the employer. What we do suggest is just ensure that we do note that it is a temporary measure. And it's not a permanent implementation. Yes. Uh, I suppose they could make it permanent. And I know that there has been businesses that, you know, before COVID even came around, uh, had these similar uh, types of systems in place. Uh, now we're just seeing them on steroids. But um, for the, 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 the main aspect of it, it is effectively a temporary measure or until the employer actually says, well, this is a great way forward. But talking about it being temporary, uh, you know, we may have... Uh, uh, um, spoken about it already but the employer that implements this model 
can then go and say, well, that one didn't work. I want to now implement another one. Do the employees then say, well, you had your chance. You know, we agreed to this new model and now you're changing it again. Can they keep changing it? So I wouldn't advise that. Um, so the employer can, again, it is a policy. And as long as, as I said earlier, the employee's ability to perform their duty is not impacted. So I cannot implement something and then me as the employee on, can, cannot perform my work. I don't have data at home. I don't have connectivity. And that would then, of course, affect my performance. And I might be subjected to performance management. And obviously, these things through normal and, and appropriate and fair capacity procedures that have been prescribed in terms of the Labor Relations Act would require that the employer takes into account all of these circumstances if they want to hold an employee accountable to, to let's say, um, uh, poor performance or perceived poor performance. Yes, you would need to. So that being said, the hybrid policies and models, what effect does that have on an employee's entitlements to things such as their BCEA or Basic Conditions of Employment Act entitlements and the like, um, specifically when it comes to applying for leave, uh, being sick, um, family responsibility and the like? So with the DMA that we were only introduced to last year, the Disaster Management Act does not supersede the employment relationship with in terms of the Labor Relations Act, basic conditions, employment contract. So the employee's entitlement would still remain. The statutes stay the same. Correct. So the employee is allowed to their leave entitlement, sick leave entitlement, hours of work, um, the ability to perform when they need to perform. And of course, the employer has a right to expect a measure of performance or performance output as they've become a what they can implement. Yeah, so that means that uh, the employee, they find themselves incapacitated. They they may, you know, a, another thing about COVID is, is that we forget that there's still all these other illnesses out there. You know, somebody might just have normal flu or a cold or, you know, a stomach bug or the like. Uh, it doesn't mean that they only have to inform their employer when they're showing COVID symptoms, which seems to be obviously flu-like symptoms. But if they are unable to perform their duties that are expected of them, even if they're at home, still have the duty to inform their employer. 100%. Between the working hours, my employment relationship is intact. Yes. And the, they would still expect proof of incapacity and the like if they find themselves incapacitated. Or a call to the supervisor or my manager to say, I can't come in today, even though I'm not coming in. I'm still working from home, but I actually can't yes. switch on my laptop today. Because uh, I know that uh, in my personal capacity, I have a lot of clients that will ask about uh, employees that seem to be ghosting them, uh, uncontactable or <laughs> don't know where they are, um, and uh, finds out that, oh, well, they were maybe running an errand or something like that. I suppose that's, that, that, that's um, uh, what seems to be happening, but not allowed. Picking up a delivery. How many times are you in a meeting? Someone says, oh, there's something at my door, a delivery. Well, that's, that's Murphy's Law, right? The moment you get a call... And you sitting at home, that will be when the DHL or the, take or a the lot. courier guy or take a lot or your even if it's just your Nando's for lunch, that's when they will arrive. Cue dogs barking, cue chaos, cue everything. Cue, where's my key? I actually heard somebody say that the new the new norm is not actually the working from home. It's the not having to apologize for cats jumping on your keyboard and dogs barking <laughs> and lawnmowers from the neighbors. But anyway, um, so... What, one thing that and fundamental to the topic today is that, that the fact that employers asking employees to return to work have been uh, getting mixed 
um, responses, uh, some creative responses, uh, but you know there might be an unwillingness of some employees to return to the office. And we've been faced with a lot of scenarios. I want to run those scenarios past you and just get your your practical input on what employers can do in those. So an employer re- requests an employee to return to work, and they say, "I cannot," because let's talk about things like. The two after two years of lockdown now let's say their personal circumstances we've actually had scenarios of employees that have been requested to return to work that actually do not even reside in the same city or town anymore they've now decided to to move without telling their employer so unless the policy that was implemented does not specifically state this is a permanent situation and you and me as employer and employee have agreed that you can work from home at your holiday home in Sedgefield the employment contract remains. So whatever the employment term is, you are employed to work at Office X at this address, that would be the the tacit agreement. So the employee, therefore, if they have semigrated and moved Mm -hmm. into the holiday home and gave up their home in Joburg, um, the employer has a right to demand them to return back to work. Yeah, or they're in breach of contract, I suppose. And uh, even with a lot of... uh, hybrid policies that have been implemented despite the fact that they say you know you can technically work from anywhere where there's an internet signal um, or connection Uh, a lot of them also say that you need to incorporate uh, the requirements of being able to return to the office for any person-to-person scenarios as and when required or within a specific period of time so i suppose um uh, employees just uh, what you say semigrating have effectively preempted that and they would be in breach of their own contract of employment um, now we identified that requirements of uh, accommodating comorbidities still remain in place so um, employees that uh, identified in april last year as having a comorbidity at that point in time um, they may st- they obviously still have that comorbidity. Um, the status quo remains with them, or what happens when an employer requests or wants to start getting them phased back into the, the, the working environment? So the implementation of level level one lockdown does not mean that everything we've learned in March last year is must be taken for granted or forgotten. So employees with in regarding the Disaster Management Act, anybody with comorbidity, the employer still has the the employer must ensure that they are being looked after, that they're keeping being kept safe, that they are, if they have any employee with a comorbidity, that their work environment is either adapted, that they're working in an isolated room, that they can work from home, or not, that we need to take necessary steps to ensure that we're accommodating the employee. And that's the thing. I mean, if we've been accommodating them now for the last 19 months, um, the question will get aroused, what's now changed, that you can't then continue with it. But it still gives the employer the right that if they say that we can no longer accommodate, to still explore potential capacity routes. 100% in terms of incapacity due to ill health. There are also now employees who have, uh, two years is a long time, they might have even developed some sort of capacity issue. They might have a a genuine capacity issue or even um, maybe a, a... a, a made-up one for the unwillingness to return to work. So what's the best way to deal with those that now, despite the fact that we asked you in April and you said that you were fine, now claim to be unable to return to work because of some sort of capacity issue? So the proof of capacity does not change. Um, me as an employee, I must ensure that I am able 
to perform my duty, that I report to work, even if it's switching on my laptop in the morning, I'm still reporting to work, that I'm able to perform my duty. So the proof of capacity means that if I cannot perform my duty due to any reason in terms of ill health, that I must prove that I am able or not able. And that's true, of course, proof with a medical certificate. And the employer can obviously request the same. Um, and, and that's the thing. So going and approaching those, the suggestion is definitely to understand the spirit of capacity issues, specifically when it comes to ill health. And that's, uh, I know a lot of uh, clients you know, expressing frustration and unhappiness because why now? Uh, but we can't on face value just say, well, this person's clearly uh, just trying to prevent returning to work. Every single matter should be dealt with on a case-by-case basis with empathy and going in and saying, well, if you say cl- claim to have a capacity issue, we will, in good faith, go and investigate the same and then explore our ability to then go and accommodate that going forward. I think that's a very good point, that the responsibility and the employer does not change. The employer is still responsible for all employees. And of course, the employee is responsible to ensure that they are performing to the level of standard expected. What we've seen, especially, and you've now said, two years a long time, a lot of things change. We've seen a lot of people battling with mental health issues, either being in the isolation, working alone, not being able to work, um, not have connectivity. So it's very important for the employer to also be mindful of the mental health of employees. Oh, definitely. I think uh, those that have survived it, those that are related to those that haven't survived it, uh, a big impact on on, on, uh, the requirements of now trying to get back to normality. Correct. So what? um, just some some advice that we would give to employees if the employees are working from home, and we've we've made the decision that they'll work from home is have an 8 o'clock stand-up. Let the employees get into habit that, you know, usually I would get up at 6 o'clock, struggle through traffic, be at the office at 8. Now maybe getting up at quarter to 8. But have a daily stand-up with your staff, videos on, just check in with your employees to ensure that, firstly, they get into habit of getting to their workstation on time and being able to perform and being ready to perform. And then from an employer perspective, you're still checking in with your employees. And then those employees that simply say they're refusing to return to work because they are concerned about their safety. They have a demand like, I request proof that all my colleagues and co-workers are vaccinated before I'll return to work with them. If there's justifiable reasons behind it, that's a completely different story. But where the employer, as a responsible employer, adhering to the level one DMA, Disaster Management Act, and OHS protocols, the employee cannot refuse to come to work if the employee, if we haven't implemented the hybrid policy, the employee can't work from home. So that will be up to the employee to prove that the employer has not implemented. So advice always would be ensure that we have social distancing, masks are being worn by everybody as a leader, be the leader and wear your mask. We're sanitizing the office, hands are being sanitized, um, then the employee cannot refuse to come to work. Well, so that being said, is the and what that basically means is the, the the employee can't on face value just go and assume that the employer has the inability to provide a safe working environment for them. So the the on face value refusal could be seen as a misconduct or a, a breach of contract where they don't provide justifiable reasons. And I think the same goes, and probably a question that would get asked is, you know, especially with employees that are then required and they say, well, I know you as my employer can provide a safe working environment, but the clients that you expect me to go and visit, I don't think that they can. Again, I would assume that uh, based on what you've said, 
they can't just on face value say i'm not going i'm refusing to go to so and so because um i'm worried about my safety they would have to show a material concern or proof material proof that this person is let's say uh, flouting the lockdown regulations or not adhering to the safety protocol that's been prescribed and then provide the employer with the proof thereof and say i'm not just on face value refusing i'm not being insubordinate here is the proof as to why i am concerned with my safety at, let's say, A, B, or C. And of course, to ensure that the client relationship is intact, um, as, a, as a manager, I would intervene and maybe go to the, the client because we, as employers, are still responsible for the safety of our staff, even when they're at the client site. So that gives employers a lot to think about with regards to finally getting back to business. Thank you very much, Lauren, for being our very, very first guest on our very, very first episode of Stuff Employers Should Know. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for inviting me to the show. And uh, that being said, get in touch with us. Uh, let us know if you agree with anything that we said or even disagree with anything that we said. Or even if you want us to cover a specific topic, send an email to sesk at labornet.com. So until the next episode where we discuss the potential pitfalls and harm that can be caused for employers where the year in function or office party gets debaucherous and what they can do. From myself, BGD, and producer Yas, till then, cheers. Staff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Staff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.